Quest Gaming Network presents Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Everybody, welcome back to Elder Scrolls Off the Record. I am Joe the Widget Wilson, and I am joined by my fellow amazing co-host. First on my list is the retentive rhythmatic Evarwin. Hey, uh, Joe. That's that describes me to a T. I believe. Uh, great to be here. Hello, chat room. <laughs> I have no idea why I picked it. Just sounded funny. All right. <laughs> and next on my list is the Red Rubble, Louis Alon. Hello, Joe. Hello, Evarwin. Hey, everyone in the chat room. What's going on? And we have a nice size chat room today. I like to see that. And we are joined by the ro- the ruthless robot, David Deanforce Adams. I'm pretty sure sure Joe just put together superhero names for us this week. I did. You got that? <laughs> ruthless robot, Dave. You're Yon Jaeger for Pacific Rim. The re- retentive rhythmatic. That means that <laughs> what? If Arwen has a stutter to fight crime. <laughs> Hey, uh, it's, not, it's not true, Dave. Stop, or I'll say <laughs> stop. Stop Dave. again. Oh, wow. And more theme song stutter. Joe yeah. the Widget Wilson. It's not good, actually. That's bad. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> 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 Definitely apologize for that. <laughs> Shadow in chat room. OTR assemble. Shank is not joining us tonight, so he couldn't make it. So just us four, the original crew. And let's get started, guys. But first, we have sponsors. That's right, we do. This episode is sponsored in part by Guild Launch. GuildLaunch.com. Set up your free guild site at GuildLaunch.com today and get great features such as... Wait for it. Wait for it. DK Pitos, mobile optimized sites, and mostly gaming support. That's right. Choose from one of their three different subscription plans. Starting at just $7 a month and ending at $20 a month, you can also get features like your own domain. Google Analytics, 10, 25, 60 gigs of storage, advertising, full attendance reports, and full CSS customization over at guildlaunch.com. Slay more dragons. And also buy tweakedaudio.com for quality earbuds, free worldwide shipping, unbeatable customer service, and a lifetime warranty. Use our code, off the record, and you'll get 30% off your entire order, all at tweakedaudio.com. I should introduce you as the, uh, let me see here, the, the robust rodent. No? Alright. <laughs> robust rodent. <laughs> Alright, guys. We got some stuff to get into, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, oh! <laughs> we've got some things to mention, Mystery Varwin. Uh, that's right. Yeah, ESO is going to be at Gamescom this year in Cologne, Germany. <laughs> I bet they're going to open a lot of Champagne. <laughs> Champagne. Over in Cologne. 
Uh, over in Cologne, Germany, from August 22nd to August 25th, their booth will be host to a playable demo of Elder Scrolls Online on dozens of machines over in Hall 9.1 at stand A031B030. So uh, for those of you who are joining them over in Cologne, Germany. In Cologne, in, jo- in Cologne, Germany. Cologne, Germany. <laughs> wow, we are never going to be welcome to Germany. <laughs> You're who? You can't be here. All right. Also, the Elder Scrolls anthology for PC is now available for pre-order on GameStop.com. Go there and throw your money at it, guys. Just throw it at it until Just it gets throw it at it. Take my money. As you know, the anthology, which includes TES games 1 through 5, is available for sale September 10th. Less than a month away, guys. You can get all the goodies. And a playable, without having to pull your hair out trying to get it to work, version of 1 2. <laughs> That's My what I'm God. most excited about. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm getting it. It's for that very reason. I already have Morrowind and uh, the other two ones. <laughs> Morrowind and the other two. <laughs> uh, Blivy something and Sky something, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Sky Oblivion. It's not like I do an Ellis Roll show. I have no idea who they, what they are. Oblarim. Oh. Oblarim, yeah. Oblarim. <laughs> All right, before we get too weird and wacky, we're going to go into our main show. This is the meat and potatoes of Ellis Rolls Off the Record. And the first thing is, is we kind of mentioned this briefly with other people in our All-Stars episode, but we're going to get into it in a little bit more detail right now. I'm going to let Ivarwin lead this discussion. This is our QuakeCon's ESO livestream, What We Learned. Yeah, so here's here's the breakdown of, of what happened. Now, for, for those of you out there who, who were uh, possibly living under several rocks, not just one, um, <laughs> Elder, Elder Scrolls uh, Online was uh, present over at uh, QuakeCon. Well, yeah, it's kind of Bethesda's convention. Right. And uh, they they made quite a splash, I'd have to say. Now, why? Because they, for the first time, live-streamed Elder Scrolls Online. Um, you know, right on Twitch for, for the whole world to see. And uh, it, was, it was pretty awesome to, to actually see this, this whole thing, you know, going down. Um, but there, there seems to be there was there was a couple of things that people were excited about, and I don't think there was enough things that that people were uh, talking about in general. So what I did was I, I went through the video, and I basically dissected the entire video, and and picked out you know sort of play by play what what we saw. So here's here's our full dissection of of what what had happened here. Um, so I guess first off, character creation, right? We were treated to uh, to Nick Conkle's character and his creation of it. I uh, started a level fifteen female dark elf Templar, and immediately they started in Deshawn in Morrowind. For those of you out there who saw the live stream, that's uh, that's where they were. They were in Deshawn in Morrowind. Uh, some of the things that we saw first off was uh, first person perspective and third person perspective, and how easily it was. Uh, to to switch on the fly. Uh, we also saw Nick riding a mount in third person view, so that was uh, right in the beginning there. Also, uh, we saw Nick's combat style. Now, this if you watched it from end to end, you saw all of this happen at once. What I did was I just kind of grouped it all together for you. Um, 
he he went with a ranged bow and arrow with a fire enchant. Now now remind now I'm going to remind you he was a Templar, okay? Using using a bow and arrow. Which I'm going to have a word with Nick about playing as a Templar, but that's neither <laughs> here or there. He was holding his own though. He absolutely was. Um, so bow and arrow with a fire enchant. He was wearing he- heavy armor. Uh, he was dual wielding one-handed sword and mace with poison enchant combo on them. He uh, swapped weapon loadouts with a single button click, added sneak to get sneak crit bonuses with the bow and arrow, uh, with again as a as a Templar, and used uh, Templar uh, DPS magic skills for uh, and minor healing support as well. Also, one thing really quick: Nick riding a horse was Nick's mount was a horse. It was not a Khajiit, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> we did see the horse. <laughs> they had to save some things for launch, right? Uh, they also made mention that the uh, the game is actually fully voiced, so I thought it was important to toss that on the notes here. Uh, exploration. That was one of the things that they, they showed us originally. Uh, right at the beginning of the stream, we started to see exploration. Uh, there was a Skyrim-style st- compass in the game. All right, It was used to, to point out different points of interest and encourage exploration. Uh, Paul Sage said this, uh, and, I, and I quote, We want this to be a game of exploration. A game where you can play any way you want to play. If you see something on the horizon that you want to go and do, you should do that. Uh, way shrines. That was another thing that we saw in the game. And they explained how way shrines work. Uh, I quote, Paul Sage said, We want to give you, we want you to get to where you've been quickly. So we've developed a way shrine point system that allows you to travel to each of the way shrines in the game you've already discovered. Uh, gained experience when discovered a new place in, in Shirgarath's tongue. An instance out in the world he found while riding past it. The lover stone, Amunda stone, when he activated, uh, when he activated it, gave him an active ability as well. So you're, you're getting experience from a lot of different sources, as is common with most MMOs, and discovering new places is a way that you get experience in this game. And the Munda Stones are there, too. Before we go on to number three, guys, you, uh, Dave, Lou, you have anything to comment on uh, the one and two points here? Oh, oh come on. Uh, yeah. Well, I was going to say uh, I was glad that Nick had a chance to actually show, uh, I guess, more more of the audience actual what the character creation looks like. Cause I know only those who have gone to the actual you know, games, cons, what have you, and went to but that, you know, Zoss's booth. And actually get some hands on. This is a great way for them to actually show everyone, hey, you know what? This is what our character creation looks like, so you can personalize your avatar. You know, from what we from what we're used to, especially with Skyrim, okay? Although, you know, with the the more slides they got there in the game for uh, ESO. And of course, since Shank isn't here, yes, they showcase first person <laughs> <laughs> and third person. And just like any other games, you know, you just swap that out on the fly to get better situational awareness. And as we saw that in the video, hey, you know what? We saw Nick's, you know, his avatar's hands and the weapons, so I'm sure they made a lot of players happy who are looking forward to playing in first-person mode. And uh, the combat style. You know, they've always said you're free to do whatever you want, and Nick just displayed it for you. You know, heavy yeah, armor wear, but I can do this. I think I think the combat style is definitely something we need to um, elaborate on a little bit because. This this sort of there was a couple of things for me in this live stream that were sort of like crown jewels of of the live stream and 
you know, we hear a lot of people asking, you know, how, how varied is my combat going to be? How much freedom am I actually going to have as far as building my character in this game? And I think Nick's combat style highlights that, like, completely perfectly, wouldn't you say, Joe? Just about. I mean, the reason why I was harping on him being a Templar in the beginning of this is because they, they've been saying that, you know, t- Templars are kind of like your, your sword and shield and can be a healer type of character, but he was doing pretty much everything else but that. I mean, the guy was, he had, he had a bow on him. He was getting sneak bonuses. Sneaking in heavy armor. Don't let that pass you. Hold on to that for a second. Sneaking while wearing heavy armor and getting the sneak crit bonuses with that, with the bow and arrow. What? crazy crazy stuff not to mention the guy's dual wielding that's not when you think of if you've done a lot of reading on what the classes are in ESO if you think of a dual wielding heavy armor uh, character I think the icon of that Joe is probably the the uh, the uh, the the tank right why do I want to say demon knight (laughs) yeah I know the dragon knight the dragon knight (laughs) my boy Right, I, I think I think the Dragon Knight has been uh, even the Nightblade. Really, I should probably say Nightblade instead. Nightblade, um, is, you would actually think of more roguish. So that'd be more medium armor, mm-hmm. like leather. That's kind of like the the first thing that comes to my head when I think of a Nightblade. Same like thing about the Mage's cloth. I think of the uh, Templar being more like chain ish, but you know it's only heavy, medium, and, and uh, light armor like, in this game. Right, and and just the fact that he was able to make, you know, that kind of a varied playstyle work, and, and work very well. I mean, he was also uh, doing healing support in the background too. Yes, he was, and uh, I think Zathork mentioned in the chat that, you know, some parts. Yeah, Nick actually was wearing uh, a combination of armor. Okay, so remember what they said before in the past that you can wear whatever you want, depending on what you are looking for. And, uh, you know, if it helps your play style. And yes, you know, Nick was probably wearing all, all three pieces, all three types at once. And, you know, showcased very well that yes, you don't have to be bound. You don't have to be a stereotypical plate wearer. You don't have to be a stereotypical light armor wearer. You know, because I've done it in the past. Like when we saw at PAX East, I was a sorcerer, but I was wearing medium armor. Some of the pieces I was wearing was medium armor to give myself some more stamina and a little bit more protection. And now with Nick, showcasing that with the live stream that they had you know, goes to show you that yeah you know what they, they're keeping true to the word that they are breaking down those barriers that have been in place for so long yeah. in these games right giving you the freedom to do whatever you want yeah I, I, I just uh, I think that's that's absolutely one of the most important things that, that you can take away from this live stream is exactly what Nick was using as far as combat style I want to bring up uh, something really quick in the chat room Mm-hmm. Someone in the chat room was basically commenting on some of the issues that were shown in it, saying if it, I know if they shouldn't have shown it if it wasn't polished. And I just want to comment on that, basically saying if you that's what you're looking for to see a polished preview, you're going to wait until the game is launched. Oh yeah, there's no such thing as polished when you're talking about a beta or an early beta. It's just not going to happen. Uh, Zenimax actually addressed that specific question in their Ask Us Anything article this week, too. Oh, cool. So we'll get that in, de- yeah. in further detail. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and I'm glad they took that on because, you know, Joe, you're 100% right with that. You know, don't forget. I think a lot of people do forget. You know, we're still in, 
I, I hesitate to say early beta, but we're definitely you know in in mid beta at it's this still point. Closed, so that's still considered early. Okay, so yeah, it's still early beta, and what you're looking at is basically a playable game. <laughs> <clears throat> Do we have somewhere on the show about the? Uh, oh yeah, the beta invites. Can I get into number three on the point really quick? Yeah, now we're on that subject. Mm-hmm. Because this week Zoss announced on their site that they're doing more beta invites. And they have gone out on the 9th and the 13th of August. They are doing stress tests. This is very important for me to bring up because usually on the timeline of stress tests, that's when they're getting ready to prepare for a bigger test cycle. Because what they're doing on a stress test is they are stressing the mega server, purposely trying to make it crash to see what the limits are, what it can do, what it can hold, and then be able to uh, fix it to allow a lot more of a player base to come in. So what I'm getting from this, what they're doing with the stress test now, is that they're fixing a lot of the server-side issues and breaking it on purpose so that they can bring in a much larger beta testing period. That was definitely a question I was going to ask you. Glad I could answer, that, sir. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, saw, I see this, this whole thing with, with stress tests, and uh, I, I was thinking to myself, gee, you know, maybe we're not too far away from, from an actual open beta we're not too far from open beta, but we're still a few months away from that, at least. Not too close. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just going to allow for a bigger closed beta. Because uh, they do, closed beta is done in phases. You got your minimal invites at first for target mm-hmm. areas, and they progressively increase it as they fix issues in the game to allow for the server to load more and more and more. So the beta, the final closed beta phases are going to be pretty large. They're going to be approximately about half what open beta is going to be. And then once they launch open beta, then that's you know when they put in anywhere from five to ten thousand people. Wow. Um, I guess uh, going back to back to the live stream then. But yeah, <laughs> the live stream. Uh, so so the other thing that that we should just point out again real quick is also the the Skyrim style uh, compass that they had on the top. Um, that is what I would like to talk about. Do oh my there. god. That up. is amazing. Did you see how that would work? It worked exactly like you see in Skyrim. Mm-hmm. The only thing I'm worried about is a lot of MMOs use multiple layers of cities, different things like that. I was wondering if the Skyrim compass would be adequately be able to show if something's above or below you. Probably not, but that's okay. It encourages exploration. Yeah, that's the whole but point of it. I love it. The uh, I love that compass. The Skyrim compass was designed to be not much more than a directional. That's it. Yeah. It's not supposed to give right. you like a mini map and give you a, an outline. It's just, hey, there might be something in this direction. I'm not going to give you a depth or anything like that. It's that compass was designed specifically for that purpose, exploring. Oh, I, I definitely like it. I do. I'm Are, just, as I said, I, I don't know if in an MMO people will be like, it doesn't show when something's above me and complain about it until it's changed. Oh, it's going to happen. I don't want it to be changed. I, <laughs> I like it how it is. If they want to put a little up or down arrow next to the whatever if to show where, what direction it's in, that's completely different. But I like that compass. It really pleases me. I'm really happy to see that they put that in there because it's something I'm used to from Skyrim, which really was a beautifully done game. You know, um, there was something I read on the internet. I'm not sure if it was on the, the Ask Us Anything article or, or just a, a random interview I picked up during the week where they had said that 
um, one of the things that they enjoyed about the beta testing so far is that the beta testers had said that there was there was a minimap during beta um, that that at least was admitted during this interview, and that people had felt that um, there wasn't a lot of exploration in the game with the minimap. Once they put in that that Skyrim style compass up on the top of the 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 screen, everyone started praising them for the amount of exploration they added to the game. <laughs> And the tone of the statement... changing anything. That, that's the tone of the statement, absolutely. It definitely sounded like we didn't put anything else in the game. It's just, we just, we're, show, we're giving you more uh, freedom to, to explore by not telling you exactly where this stuff is, and it actually ended up working. <laughs> wow. So yeah. when it came to this, the, um, the steel trees, I thought was really good they showed that. Right, um, and the, that was another thing that they that uh, they had brought in as well. Um, the uh, the skills UI, all right. They they sh- they made a big a big presentation of this, all right. It showed the three skill trees come with your class, all right. But also made note that when you join uh, the fighters guild and the mages guild, you'll gain more skill trees as well. Yeah, not uh, to mention the armor. The three armor yeah. skill trees, the multiple weapon skill trees, racial skill tree. Eventually, they said your guild skill tree, your world skill tree, <laughs> and the list goes on. Yeah, I mean, each skill tree had a set of skills to choose from. Some were passive, some were active. You take the active ones out of the skill tree, you put it on your hot bar. All right, those the, when those skills are on your hot bar, they level themselves up. You know, uh, we've, we we saw all of that when uh, at certain levels they morph and they take on new traits. Um, Nick had Nick had a, a certain kind of um, kind of he had a, he had a bunch of skills. I want to I want to show you, I want to tell you what he had so you can see the kind of diversity he had in his playstyle again. Uh, first class, he had three skill trees. All right, Adric Spear, Dawn's Wrath, and Restoring Light. Uh, he had a skill tree for his weapon. Every weapon type in the game, there was a skill tree available to him. Armor. Every type of armor in the game, light, medium, or heavy, he had skill trees for that. Guild. He had skill trees open for the fighters and the mages guild. He had a racial skill tree as well that gave him perks for his race. And each one had active and passive skills in it. So you can spend a point... You know, and you, you uh, which you you gain at each level, so or when you collect three sky shards, you you get another skill point as well. So that's how this whole thing works. So I don't know if you're you're keeping the math there, but that's a ton of skill trees. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a lot, which means a lot of room for a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I like saying and a, then, lot, um, a lot. The LFG system. Yeah, baby. I've been rooting for this since day one. This was huge for me. I know when when MMOs come out now, one of the first questions is, is there going to be a looking for group system? There's an LFG system in this game. All right, And they, they showcased it. It's got uh, drop-down menus that allowed Nick to find a random group for either a dungeon, an alliance campaign, world content, or something on the list that I saw was called Master Dungeons. All right, now when he selected, he selected a dungeon, okay, and chose Fungal Grotto. Now the level of the dungeon was indicated next to 
the uh, next to it on the drop-down menu, so you know what level that dungeon is tuned for. Uh, other options uh, that I, th- I thought was was noticeable, all right, was uh, a find more members and a join join a group option. You select your preferred role from there as well, tank, healer, or DPS. And then Nick traveled from his random location to a way shrine nearest to his group using the LFG interface as well. Which is sexy. Yeah, uh, I just want to harp on this one point there that we'll see for now. Um, Looking for group interface, awesome. I like the fact that, uh, unlike another game, it didn't take him to his group automatically. You know, he actually had to put some effort (laughs) into actually getting to his group. Uh... No, all right, nearest way shrine, okay? And then he had to hot-foot it to where he had to go. <clears throat> because I think, it, it, you know, an LG system that automatically ports you to where you've got to be, you know, you, you just make people, I think it just kills exploration. Mm. You know, you're, you know, you're going to have players who never go anywhere in the map. <laughs> I don't think it kills exploration, but I would say it makes people lazy. Yeah, yeah, it just makes them lazy because they just stay in the cities all day and not do a damn thing. <laughs> On the, for on the flip side of that, Lou, though, if they didn't get him even near the group, there'd be a lot more problems. Uh, well, such as? <laughs> well, 90% of the community complaining. Complaints will happen. I, I mean, <clears throat> it, it's... I mean, the fun part... Like me. You know, the fun part is getting to the zone. Is getting to where you gotta be. I mean, uh, you know, if you've got to actually... If you had a, it, To me, it's like... Part of the fun for me is actually getting to my group and, you know, seeing that, yeah, it's a high-level zone. There are going to be challenges to get there. You know, and it's, for me, that's fun. You know, sneaking past these mobs, fighting these mobs to get to my group, to enjoy that 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 set of content. Did it show on in-game where Fungal Grotto was from the Way Shrine? Yeah. Okay. Because my only worry is people who do this expecting to just be thrown into Fungal Grotto... And being put way outside of it and not know what direction to go or no um, from what I can from what I remember seeing um, you could see from the way shrine where your party members were and and Nick moved toward his party members and then entered fungal grotto I, I they would need to have a way shrine at every single instance that you can queue for. There's probably one that's close enough to it where you know that you wouldn't get a, a tremendous amount of people complaining that it's too it's too close or too far away. You know, Vito in the chat room actually made a very good point there. That's something I can agree with. It's kind of a uh, middle ground to what me and Lou were just talking about or arguing about, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what if you what if the, they set up to where you can only be ported near it if you've already discovered that area? Well, I mean that is the setup. Uh, you. You get ported to way shrines that you've seen already. Okay, that's that's what they've they've stated. Then that's does cool. that mean you can't queue for a dungeon if you haven't discovered the portal near it? Uh, no. Well, actually, that's a good question. We'll have to find out later. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. I'm sure you can queue for a dungeon if you haven't discovered the nearest way shrine. I'm, right. I'm sure they wouldn't It'd just be that. a longer distance for you to travel. That's right. all. Uh, speaking of Fungal Grotto, we actually saw Nick's combat style and how it fared inside of a a, uh, a dungeon instance uh, environment. 
Again, uh, I want to just illustrate, Nick used a, a mix of ranged bow and arrow with uh, dual-wielding one-hand weapons and Templar magic skills to DPS enemies. Also, uh, he had the ability to use synergy attacks while inside, too. Um, everyone was, was doing damage. Even the healer was doing damage. I had managed to see that. And uh, I saw Nick a couple of times heal his party members while he was doing uh, damage as well. Uh, this this was uh, was mentioned as well during during the live stream, uh, and I quote: "We don't want you to fi- we don't want you fighting one creature in a dungeon, and that's why we introduce what we call pack behavior, or monsters that will wait in the wings to attack you versus attacking all at once." So we saw a lot of that that pack behavior going on in in this dungeon. They would attack a whole bunch of guys would would attack them in in turn. And uh, it created a controlled chaos type of feeling uh, that I got from the encounter. Um, everyone seemed extremely uh, good at, at their at their builds and what they were doing. Um, and once all the uh, the loot, or once all the enemies were destroyed, um, there was no fighting over loot because uh, they stated it's all instanced. All right, when you loot a monster, it belongs to you. Your party members have their own loot from that same monster I that they're going to get. That. That's, yeah. that's so probably the problems. reason why I'm going to play this game if I had to pick one thing. <clears throat> right? Instance loot? Yeah. Yes. That's oh my a God. big deal yes. to MMO players. That's huge. You don't understand how something so simple like that can be such a big, big deal. Such a problem solver. I mean, over the 12 years I've played MMOs, I can't tell you how many times I've had fights, I've seen fights, I've mm-hmm. had problems with people stealing things, people. or it's made me just want to quit the game for weeks. I was so PO'd at one point over a piece of gear I fought for weeks to get, and someone, some idiot who doesn't need it, or doesn't even have the class to wear it, stole it for his alt. You get my drift, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. the, uh, the Beast 3011 in the chat room says, best part of the combat was how well the weapon swapping worked. And and you know what? He's 100%, he or she is 100% right because it was seamless what Nick was doing inside that instance. There wasn't a situation where he was caught with his pants down, in quotes, you know? Um, he was he was DPSing from far. When he, when he caught the aggro of an enemy, he immediately swapped to his dual-wielding weapons. And when he saw one of his, uh, his party members was dropping in health, he healed him. While while damaging, uh, it's, I mean it's it's amazing gameplay, absolutely amazing inside this uh, this dungeon that we saw. Uh, we also saw monsters working together, healing each other, and igniting oil on the ground. Uh, Those another damn monsters. Yeah, <laughs> how dare they give them intelligence? Jeez. Yeah, that's part of that pack behavior that uh, Paul Sage had mentioned. And uh, the the final thing that I thought was of note. All right, soul gems. All right, these things allow you to res an ally or yourself. And if you don't have a soul gem, you'll res at the beginning of the dungeon. And each time you die, armor degrades. So soul gems can be looted in the world as you explore. So in case you're wondering where you get those. I'm still not a fan of the armor degrading thing, but that's just me. I know there's a lot of people out there that like it for RP value and other reasons. It's just For me, that's the one thing I'm not looking forward to, but, you know. We'll see how it goes when the game actually launches. So there it is. So, any th- comments, gentlemen, on all this that we saw? In a short 20-minute period of time, we got 30 minutes recording time out of it. <laughs> um, I, one of the points I did like was the fact that uh, in that group that Nick was in with the rest of the, the devs, everyone was fighting, right? 
as everyone noted here, everyone's DPSing, even the healer. That meant that healer, okay, you're not just sitting in the back. All right, the healer now has to actively participate in the fight. Oh, man, I'm so glad we're going to kill off that whole thought line of, I'm the healer, and I'm just going to sit here and heal. Oh, none of y'all need heals? I'll read this book. Oh, you're dying? Let me finish this chapter. Yeah, we're not going to have any of that anymore. We're just going to be right. great. It, it's going to be... It does. I mean, no, it, it means everyone's essential. Everyone's got to do their share. Not only do you have to heal, you know, you actually have to participate in the fight so that thing dies faster. The you healer know? didn't have a choice. Right. I mean, the healer was right. I, honestly, like, I can't even figure out which one was the actual, in quotes, healer because everyone was doing damage. There was healing going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. Nick was healing, you know. Uh, I know Gina was in the live stream. I couldn't pick out which one her character was, but. I saw a lot of healing, and I saw a lot of damaging, and I saw a lot of chaos, and well, <laughs> it what looked I've like seen, everyone was having fun. What I've seen of the healing staff, look for the green light. That'd yeah. be the healer. And this is other types of healing staffs, and you're just screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was great seeing the combat being played out. Even for a little short 20-minute demo, they showed a lot, and a lot could be gotten out of it, and you guys got to actually see what the actual gameplay of the game looks like. Not yeah. just random, you know, promo videos, things of that nature, you got to see the actual game in, in, in action, in beta. All right, so the Ask Us Anything at QuakeCon came out, and uh, we're going to get into that right now. Um, we'll do the usual format, Ivarwin. Yeah, sure. Which level were the monsters in the QuakeCon stream compared to the, to the characters? I saw them cutting through their enemies quite easily, but the health bars went up and down a lot. Did some monsters hit that hard, and is healing that effective, or do your characters have that little health? Fungal Grotto is a level 12 to 15 dungeon. I believe we had two level 13 characters and two level 16 characters in our party during the stream. Since players can put points into health, magicka, or stamina, it's likely that some characters' health totals were lower than others. However... What you saw may what you saw is a pretty good indication of health fluctuation and the need to heal when when taking on a dungeon. Dungeon means they hit harder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't expect to be like a level eighteen walking into a level thirteen dungeon and expect to solo it. This is this is the other thing too that, that we should probably uh, call attention to. In a world where, in a world where, <laughs> right, <laughs> where you're, uh, you're, you can do anything you want to do and have that be viable, you really have to watch out for yourself and the other guy when you're in a party because you don't know how much health that guy has, and if he takes a single hit to the face and dies, you got to watch this guy. You got to make sure that that's not going to happen. So you know you should carry with you some form of of healing ability and some form of of uh you know high damaging ability because you know i not everyone is is gonna is is cut from the same cloth here in this game exactly i mean if we all take into account skyrim's uh leveling process okay you have one point or which stat do you want to raise health magicka or stamina mm-hmm all right you may be all be the same level but you know what maybe someone put more health more points into their stamina you know, they got base health, but, man, they can carry a ton on their back, you know, or dodge everything under the sun, but they take three or four hits and they're down. Or, you know, whereas you could take a ton of hits, but you've got no magical pool whatsoever to speak of. You fire up one or two specials, you're done. 
you know, and I think that's going to create some very interesting dynamics when people are wondering, all right, what have you got? <laughs> what, what can you do? <laughs> I think it's just going to promote better self, uh, I guess, better communication, self-awareness in the group. You know, everyone should be talking to each other saying, all right, so what have you done? You know, that way no one gets, uh, I guess, stomped when they go and, you know, try and tackle this content. Yeah. All right, next question. Will there be an option to turn off the glow around enemies? Yes, you'll be able to turn it off. I will say that the glow is much more apparent when you're watching it than when you're playing it. It's very effective at helping with target selection. And you may find it useful in some situations, but... It's up to you whether to enable it. And uh, just as a side note, they're talking about how to pick out uh, NPCs that have quests for you um, and also enemies that, that you need to uh, attack when they're referring to the glow. <sighs> Something vexes thee, David. <laughs> I just I find it amazing that people would like cut their own leg off because they... I don't like being able to see who I'm targeting. Really? You do know that like that's the purpose of the game, right? <laughs> if you want what, to what does Shank yourself- say? Paying bills and going to work is the video game, Elder Scrolls is real life. <laughs> that's <laughs> I'm with Dave on that. Uh, you said that my armor will degrade when I die. Can I repair it or do I have to pay an NPC? We have repair kits for repairs in the field. And if you can visit an NPC to have all of your gear repaired as well. You know, I got to say this, guys. I have to say it. Called it. Say it. Uh, you called it. Yep. When we first talked about this, I don't know, probably eight episodes ago, when they mentioned degrading, we were discussing ways they could make it better. Because I was crying about having repair. And mm-hmm. one of the things I mentioned was having repair kits in the field. I hope that they let... Armor smiths and weaponsmiths. Hey, you all can go check it. Make go, go check it back a few episodes back. You can hear it. It's there. I want to be able to make my own repair kits. That way, I can have them on hand. Right. Oh, that that'd be awesome. Cause I know. Oh, armor smith for maybe two different types of repair kits. Armor repair yeah. kit and a weapon. So a weaponsmith can make them, or an armor smith can make them. I think they should have a kit of repair in the game. It's a joke, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. You said that my uh, okay. I already did that one. I noticed the compass in the stream. Does it replace the mini map, or is it another option? If it does replace it, will I show or will it show more than than points of interest like group? Or sorry, I can't talk right. Like guild and group members or enemies. The compass will replace the minimap. Actually, this is a good example of how we use information from our beta tests. When we had a minimap, we noticed many testers felt like they should just follow quest markers, and they were less inclined to explore. This ran counter to our intent of being a game that emphasized exploration. When we introduced the compass, players became much more likely to explore and less likely to just, in quotes, follow the quests. As for putting group members on the compass, we're trying to avoid having too much clutter on the compass. We do have in-world indicators for group members, though, which are proving to be very effective. So there you go. That's uh, that's apparently where I've read this. <laughs> yeah, well, they uh, they made a great decision on this, they actually. Did. Yeah. I, I 
I second the thought that they, this was a great decision. You know, Joe, mm-hmm. not not to, you know, toot our own horns here, but, you know, back in October. <laughs> we did bring I it be- up. I believe this was a suggestion that we may have brought up to, to Mr. Matt Fire. And Actually, Ivarwin, that was you who brought it up. Oh, was it to me? We were, we were talking in hushed tones and you were like, hey, Nick, what about this? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And the first person also we brought up too. Oh, well, we were telling him it was a must. I remember mm-hmm. distinctly both of us were saying it has to be in there. And it can't yeah. just be the first person that we were seeing. It had to have visual elements to it. Yeah. That's when they so, were kind of telling us, yeah, yeah, we're working on that. Let's go ahead and pat ourselves on the back right there. There you go. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on. <laughs> Sockney old arm, you guys. You guys. When a class says nothing about the playstyle of another player, how will the dungeon finder still allow me to look for healing or damage focused players? Players will pick the role they think they can best perform when they sign up to find a group. So there. (laughs) Yes, Dave, there's potential for idiots. That's just a given. There's no such thing. I couldn't get in as a DPS, so I selected heals. Dave, there's no such thing as an idiot-proof system. Um, this one's an idiot-enhancing system. Well, look at <laughs> Dave. How in the world are I supposed to be able to tell what you are when there's so many diverse options? They, By okay, the weapon you you're holding in your hand, have, at the time you know some type of healing on your bar to be able to select healer. That's, what about the holding healing staff, Dave? Well, or using a healing staff, have it equipped to be able to select healing. So, they, what if they put out the healing staff for that moment? and then went back to their DPS weapon. Well, then that would no prove such thing that they as were a jerk and they get kicked. <laughs> no such thing as idiot-proof. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Know, it's just... It's just... Uh, That's why I say. Join a big guild and you're, you're set there. I don't want to join a big guild. I want a small guild. People what? I can blame. <clears throat> Somebody I can point a finger at when they mess up. <laughs> Dave? You need tissues? Sorry, Dave. All right. Get you a little powder for that diaper rash, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so many mud crabs. Where did they all come from? I am confused. Only Lorcan knows, and his secrets died with him. Yes, to mud crabs. Oh, my God. Did I tell y'all the first five minutes into the game? I, me and Lou were right there, neck and neck. We run out. We look on the beach, and there's a freaking mud crab right there. Oh my god, it was crazy. And we killed it. <laughs> just, just cause. <laughs> and it died. Yeah. Oh, dude, they were mud crabs. Yes, Dave. How much of the footage and animation we saw on Twitch is finalized? We're polishing everything in the game, and that will continue as we head towards launch. First-person mode, which you saw quite a bit of in the video, is one of our most recent additions, and you can expect to see improvements to it as we continue development. The whole beta thing there? There are. Will the transportation system, and especially porting to groupmates, work in PvP too? If so, how many safe locations are in Cyrodiil? Fast travel system is very different in Cyrodiil. We don't want to have battles where each side can instantly transport and reinforcements assuring no clear winner. 
you will be able to fast travel to points clearly secured by your alliance. That said, with the size of Cyrodiil, I will say that mounts are a pretty good thing to have. <laughs> I like that answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. A lot, actually. <laughs> that pleases me. Move quick. <laughs> you know what that means, folks? also means if you don't have a particular keep or fortress or whatever, wow, be prepared to fight your way to the battle, too. <laughs> People set up ambushes. And don't forget, your mounts, you can, uh, depending on the food that you feed them, you can have them take on different attributes as well. So if you feed them, you know, food that makes them, uh, you can actually feed them food that makes them faster. So just be aware of that. Can I feed my horse a food that makes it grow a unicorn horn? No. I want a unicorn. You're not getting one. Just sit there and shut your mouth and hold your unicorn horn while we go to the next question. <laughs> All right, next question. <laughs> is the instance loot random for one person, or will everyone receive the same item slash crafting component slash amount of gold? Instance loot is random per person. Yay! Yay! I am, I'm failing on my my board again. And, of course, my computer must take 10 years to load up the program to start with. Oh. Ah, such a big deal. Can you explain the equipment and skills from the gameplay stream a bit more? Which armor did he wear? Which skills did he use? Nick was playing a ranged DPS Templar for most of the session. He was in a combination of light and medium armor, going for protection and increase in the efficiency of his magic use. His alternate weapon set was dual-wielding. Nick was able to heal himself and the group as sort of a backup healer, even though he only put on one or two skill points in his healing line. The spear you saw and light abilities are signature abilities of the Templar. The spear knocks enemies back as it damages them, and the bright ball of light applies a damage-over-time effect and a snare. One of Ivarwin's favorite skills. Sure, yeah. Uh, Nick also had some weapon abilities he used, depending on the weapon type he was currently wielding. Gina played a sorcerer, using sword and shield and wearing heavy armor. Rich was a nightblade in light armor who helped keep the party alive with a restoration staff. And Eric chose a dual-wielding dragon knight with medium armor. So <laughs> That's just like completely, all of them blew the mold out the window and said, <laughs> we're doing our own thing. Pretty much. I, I do have to apologize, though. Um... I did say that Nick was in heavy armor uh, earlier, and I was completely mistaken. So I'm sorry. Uh, he was not in heavy armor the entire time. It was a mix of light and medium armor. So I, I apologize for getting that incorrect. All right. So next question. Hello. I am wondering if other Daedric princes are in the game besides Molag Ball, since I'm a big fan of Mayrune's Dagon. Boo. Sorry. <laughs> Word up, Austin. Uh, Word up. Yes, there are definitely other Daedric princes. Sheogarath comes to mind. Yes! Yeah. Sheogarath is the best. Bye, Jack. <laughs> Bye, Jack. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have it. There we go. We got some emails for get into the uh, dev question of the week, and the first one comes in to us from Death Knight. Uh, Lewis, do you want to take this one, buddy? Sure. And Death Knight writes in. Dear, Elder Scrolls off the record. 
I'm sure that you've got a mountain of post-QuakeCon info to wade through, yes, but I'd just like to highlight this gem from Nick Conkle in a recent article. Quote, every week we make sure one of our dungeon test days is random build day. We'll just try something and see if that works. My favorite one we did recently was all sorcerers, all conjuration. <gasps> yeah, I know. Everyone had two pets and used heal stage. I remember this. And, and so it was just a group pet healing. And you're trying to let the pets do all the action. It was stupidly effective. And I had to nerf the pets as a result. I had to reduce <laughs> their health. We do that every week. There was the, hey, let's all try stealth DPS Nightblade build. And it did not work. It was not effective. I think that's part of the fun. End quote. What do you guys make of it? Cheers, Death Knight. They actually brought up the... I forgot when it was. It was a while back we talked about it on the show, too. Was when they talked about having all all the sorcerers out with their pets. I don't remember exactly when that was. It was a little while ago. Yeah, Uh, It was a while ago, yeah. Yeah. It was back in the spring, I think we spoke about that. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't remember it to save my life, but I know <laughs> now that you mention it. Yeah. Any other thoughts, guys? It sounds like fun. I'm glad they're doing these kinds of tests because this is the kind of thing that you're only going to find in chaos. All right. You know when you know, you're, you're walking your dog and the dog gets off the leash, all right, and you go chasing after him and you find that 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 odd coffee shop you've just never noticed before because you've dro- you've gone down Main Street a million times you just never noticed it. I, I thought you had a cat. I do have a cat, but this has happened. Um, so this is the kind of thing that there's certain things in video games you're only going to find by adding a an element of chaos to to your testing. And I'm glad they're doing this because they're they're finding these tiny things. You know, um, they had to. This this quote shows they had to nerf the pets as a result of of doing this sort of thing. And and they did also uncover that you know all stealth DPS Nightblade build didn't really work. It wasn't effective. Maybe there was something that made it ineffective. And uh, you know, hopefully hopefully that helped as well. So I'm, know. I'm glad they're doing that kind of thing. I already know how that would be ineffective because as soon as someone breaks stealth, they break their cover. As soon as you attack somebody, you break your cover, and boom, everything else is on them. So it doesn't matter if you, you'd have to have like an equal amount of people in stealth that are able to one shot everything mm-hmm. around you in order to make that effective. So that <laughs> really wouldn't work, right? And it shows too that they're not you know above uh, you know because they know there's so many different combinations out there. They're doing the same thing. They're saying you know what, let's just try this for the heck of it because you know what some uh, somewhere out there when the game goes live, a group of players are going to do the same exact thing, same train of thought. Hey, let's see if this works. <laughs> you, you know I'm going to do that, right? Like, that's how I like to play the game. I put together stupid builds, throw myself in a bad situation, and hope for the best. And, man, I get killed a lot. You must be a frustrated person. I, I've, you know, you know what they say? Every Even a blind squirrel can get a nut every now and again. <laughs> There's a jewel. <laughs> Every so often, I come across a jewel, and I, I very much expect to break this game by putting a weird build together. Well, you know, I, I know for a fact. Well, and they also said it during our little uh, our tour of the facility back in October, was that they've been in-house testing this game for, what, two, three years now? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, they've got a lot to balance, but they've been balancing it for a long time. Uh, next question, Mr. David. 
Next one comes in from Dis9043. That's Dimitri. Says, hello, all the members of the ESO OTR crew. Hello. I have been listening to your show since about a week before PAX East and must say, you all do a phenomenal job in covering the news in regards to the Elder Scrolls Online. I am an MMO veteran with almost 10 years of experience under my belt. I have played a total of four hours in Skyrim, and that is all the combined experience I have in the Elder Scrolls series. (gasps) Wow. Wow, you've come into the wrong bar, partner. <laughs> no, it's okay. That's that's perfectly fine for for ESO. Definitely. Come uh, He continues to say. <laughs> he continues to say, "I am closely following the development of ESO as it will be my next MMO RPG that I immerse myself in." You see, I have a problem that I hope you guys can help me with. I am used to the theme park approach to MMOs, where progression and leveling is done through linear questing. Quest NPCs tell me where to go and what to kill. I report back to them, they give me experience, and tell me the next zone to go to. When I tried playing Skyrim, I was overwhelmed by the sandbox nature of the game. After playing about four hours, I only had gained one level and was slaughtered and slaughtered a bunch of rabbits and deer. I felt lost without the guidance that I had gotten from the various MMOs I had played. I really want to immerse myself in the Elder Scrolls single-player games, but I feel lost. Any advice for me? Keep up the good work. Dis9043. Before you answer this question, I want to mention something. There's, you know, one of the interesting <coughs> things about ESO that I find very entertaining is you're going to have two different types of noobs entering this game, and both are going to have a learning curve. You're going to have the Elder Scrolls noob, and you're going to have the MMO noob. That's yeah. true. One uh, that has barely touched Elder Scrolls, one has barely touched MMOs. Yeah. And if I can, Joe, I think I got the uh, the perfect uh, piece of advice here for it, good man. old Dimitri. Do it. Yeah, and Dimitri's in the chat room, by the way. Uh, Dimitri, welcome. So, so Dimitri, here's here's the thing. Here's what you're missing. All right, you're not you're not getting experience in Elder Scrolls games by killing a whole bunch of mobs. All right, uh, you you get experience by using your skills in an effective manner. So just because you kill a ton of deer doesn't mean you're going to get appropriate experience for doing that. Uh, the only reason why you got any kind of experience out of that was because you were brand new and swinging a sword at anything would have given you experience at that point. <laughs> right. So uh, what you want to do is you want to start um, you want to start getting into combat for from um, you know different different types of creatures. And you want to mix it up. Your your playstyle has to be uh, differentiated. You got to use a, a mix of of uh, combat, martial weapons, with um, magic, some kind of magic in there. Healing helps as well. And by doing this, also with the crafting system as well, doing all forms of of crafting, that all together will earn you experience over time. And be prepared. Uh, by level 25 or 30 to change up the style that you've been playing because eventually you're going to get your skill trees up to a point where it's not so easily granting you experience and you're going to have to add in some new stuff to to get that experience in. So, I have a more, more to add to that. From an MMO player's perspective going into a game like this, mm-hmm. 
there is a way that will feel a little bit more familiar for you that will help you out a little bit more. Um, two things. One, there are quests in the game, and even when you start Skyrim, you are given a quest right off the bat. Yes. It's not saying go. It's not saying you have to go there. What it is saying is you can go there. So if you open up your quest menu, you click on that quest, it will put a waypoint marker on your map, and you just got to point your direction on the compass and go that way, and talk to the person. It says in the quest text. Now on, on Skyrim, you have to be you have to pay close attention to the quest text. That's going to give you the information you need. Not just saying go kill ten random things. It's not how Skyrim works. Um, other thing I can give you for advice uh, that's in correlation with what Ivarum was talking about, which was really good advice as well, is to if you see those little um, black-looking caves or the black-looking houses on your compass, go to them, walk over to them, go inside of them because those are your in quotes instances. That's where you're going to get into that direct combat Ivarum was talking about. That's where you're going to get more gear, more loot, and you're going to level a lot quicker in those. There you go. All right, then. And let me see here. We have the dev question of the week to get into, gents. This guy doesn't look tired enough. (laughs) Just saying. All right, here it is. Hi. My name is Blake Rubichet, content designer on Elder Scrolls Online at Zenimax Online Studios. After a long day adventuring, nothing beats a cold drink at your favorite local tavern. The Nords are known for their love of mead. The Bosmer love their Jaga. Pick your poison, adventurer. What's your favorite Tamrielic spirit? It's all about the mead. Just saying. You ever had mm. mead in real life, guys? Oh, yes. Stuff is good. Oh my God. Actually, no, I've never had mead. You need to try it. Yeah. Very, very sweet. It's a sweet wine. It's made from honey, so... Mm. You ever try to kill a giant for his toe so you can sell it at a uh, Khajiit traveler for no. one bottle of moon sugar or... No. Can't just say a l- one little taste of skooma? Skooma's never, where it's at, bro. Skooma. Never attempted to do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> skooma, not even once. <laughs> what about you, Lou? Oh, it's definitely the mead. Because once I had... The very first time I I opened up Skyrim to run for the first time and realized, all right, well, what, well, what do Nords usually make? Well, in real life, up there, that part of the world, yeah, mead. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I guess for role-playing purposes, the honeybrew mead. Even though I did sabotage it during one of the quest lines. But <laughs> still, honeybrew mead. Mead is where it's at. I like health potions. Yeah, I'm going no. with health potions. Health potions. Going health with. potions aren't a drink. Is there a necessity? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with that. Liz, the blood of my enemies. Okay. (laughs) Eve Arwen, what about you, man? What's that? Your drink of choice. Yeah, I said health potions. Oh, yeah, I thought you were whippy. No, you took took mine. (laughs) Um, You took mine. I I was going to say mead, but... uh, I had to think on the fly, so <laughs> milk, milk, man. So you should have said milk. I like the uh, I like the stamina that that uh, that mead grants, but it goes away pretty fast. So. See, leave it to Varwin to have the actual practical reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how about oh here we go, surreal brothers wine. There you go. How, oh, that's a good one from Oblivion. Oh, I'm proud of myself for that. Yeah, surreal brothers. <laughs> 
Patch up on the back of our one. <laughs> or Kyle, Alto wine, you know, all those empty bottles you find everywhere. It's like, you alcoholics. <laughs> all these empty bottles lying around. All right, guys, I'm opening my Pinot Grigio again. Hey. Hey. All right, guys. Um, all right, well, let's do something different as well. What about your cho- your drink of choice in real life? I think Not we all Pinot know, Grigio. I think we all know what Ivarwin uh, says. It's some kind of wine, but Ivarwin. Hofbrau. Beer. Hofbrau. Beer, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I do I do normally drink wine, but my my drink of choice is absolutely beer. And it, it fluctuates between a type of Sam Adams, usually the seasonal brew, or, oh, God, a frosty, cold Hofbrau. Dude, I remember in October introducing you to Oktoberfest. <sighs> yeah. That was oh, just yeah. lovely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> By the way, Oktoberfest is out now again, Varwin. Mm. Just saying. Yeah. Coming up soon. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have work tomorrow, so I'll have to hold off till next week. I'm... You and I are going to be in Seattle in two weeks. Just saying. There we go. Well, let's find a vat and shove our faces and breathe in deep in that. <laughs> That'll boom for me, too. <laughs> I'm okay with that. What about you, Dave? Dave? Oh, my God. Don't make me do this. Um, okay. I, I can't go with my favorite because it depends on the situation, but I can go with my my worst. <clears throat> my, I had an ex-girlfriend one time that used to experiment with combining different alcohols. Um, red wine and a zet, which is as thick as blood, if y'all if y'all know what it is. It, it tastes like uh, anise, which is licorice. Uh, and a shot of Malibu pineapple rum. Hmm. And put them all together. It looked like a shot glass full of of red wine made it red the anisette made it thick and the rum made it burn like hell it looked like blood and it tasted like fire and I will never do that thing again that was the worst thing I've ever put in my mouth (laughs) oh come on Dave you and I both know that's the worst thing you know (laughs) (laughs) Dave take some up for that (laughs) I don't drink that often, but when I do, I prefer rum. <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, I, I could do rum, man. I'm a rum guy. Uh, particular yeah. rum and coke, and even more particular, Parrot Bay and coke. That is just this, isn't it? What about you, Lou? Oh, I am a huge, huge beer fan. Uh, usually I'll do Yingling. Or any of Sam Adams. Once Sam Adams came out, and I tried, you know, the very first beer, and then just went down from there. All, wherever they brew, you know, I'll usually take it. Uh, I'm also a huge uh, bass. Oh, Irish fan. cream. Oh, and Bailey's. Bailey's. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Bailey's. Oh, I love college. So, so Joe, are we are we gonna do a you know a Elder bar Rose. off the record or bar <laughs> off the record? I wouldn't be very good at that because I don't drink. But anyway, so we're gonna get into the crafting table now that we're done with this little uh, off-topic weirdness here. Yeah. Now you know more about the hosts. That was fun though. I like that <laughs> off-topic. It doesn't hurt. It does not hurt. All right. So crafting table. Uh, I did do the challenge that Evarwin issued me on the last. Uh, episode 77 
what was that? Uh, Dova, Hen, Henvo, Dova. It Henvo, was yeah, Henvo, Henvo Dova. Dova, the Warhammer. How'd that go for you? It was very interesting. It How did not. Quest? It did not create its own quest. What? No, it uh, actually what it did is it just added a hammer as a drop off of the boss. Um, Hen, Hen, Hevnrak. He's in Valthum. Mm-hmm. There's a quest that you do in Valthum where you have to collect three vials and resurrect. Havranak and then kill him. And all he did was add it to it. And here's the kicker. It doesn't always work. So even in the chat, when it didn't drop for me, I went and looked in the uh, the, the chat room of his, where he of the uh, mod and he basically said, if it doesn't work, enter this command to, re, to respawn him. And I don't do console commands. So what I did do was I went to a, a blacksmith and I made it. Yeah. You do, there's a recipe to craft it. It's like... Uh, it takes two quicksilver, five steel, and three ebony ignits to make. It can be upgraded. There was one point, I guess, where it could not have been upgraded. However, from what I understand, from what I was reading, it's possible that it goes off of your two-hand skill to determine the damage value. But when I looked at it, when I had it in my hands, my one-hand weapons were more powerful than it was by double. However... The one great thing I have to say about it is the skin of the weapon is probably the sexiest weapon skin in the game. That so the basically, game. I, I refer to you uh, to a big fat piece of garbage. You referred to me to a fancy skin on a on a hammer. Hey. And, and when it comes to that side of things, you want a really good looking weapon. Yeah. That's where it's at right there. Ah, I was kind of hoping there was going to be a nice. That that's the reason why I picked that was because they they had said that there was a a nice quest there. Yeah, over two. Ah. <laughs> that's all right, Joe. We'll get you. A good I one. welcome the challenge, Yvarwin. We'll get you a good one. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Uh. You know, re- reporting on that. Um, oh, my pleasure. But we do have the mod challenge of the week coming up. Yes. Yes. And uh, here's here's how it works, all right? Uh, mod challenge of the week is for one host only for that week, all right? I'm going to announce who the challenge is for. We've got a link here on our notes. I announce the host who's going to click the ri- the link. They're going to read off what the mod is is all about, and then the very next episode, they have to report on their gameplay for that mod. So, itty, mini mighty mo, catch a Khajiit by the toe. This goes to... To... Lou! Damn it! Oh. What's wrong with you? Much <laughs> <laughs> anger, this one. Much <laughs> anger. And the new doctor is... Peter Capaldi! <laughs> Download it, Dave. I don't care. Gonna. I'm Do gonna. It. Do it. Do it. All right. What we got this, there, Lou? This week's mod challenge is... It's available on Steam Workshop called Storm Dragons Run for Cover. So, Storm Dragons Run for Cover. It is created by the username is EVK. It's E V I E K. And here's the description. Let's see. Uh, what to do when you're incredibly powerful and have no dragons left to conquer and enslave, or at least past the majority of the main quest lines, so you don't get killed with every dragon encounter. <laughs> Look out! Run for cover, Storm Dragons. This is the legacy of Sleeth the Magnificent, your first encounter with a Storm Dragon. Okay, let's see. Uh, in essence, I guess this guy 
meets Sleeth the Magnificent, both in young elder form. He is the first to establish his domain over the College of Winterhold. Ooh. Wow, I guess you're taking on a this head honcho here. Yeah, so so basically what this storm dragon does is um it uh, instead of being a fire or frost dragon, it's uh it's a dragon that, that does He's a storm caller. Right. All kinds of storm damage, so like lightning strikes and all that. Excellent. That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Since that's what I use in my battle mage is uh is lightning attacks. Right. Now the reason why I'm issuing this to you, Lou, is because I know you're uh you're you're at that point now where you're you're looking for something in the game different to do, and I thought this would be new and different for you and, and you've got such a good rapport with dragons and skyrim. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hunting I'm gonna ride once. Damn, souls. <laughs> awesome. All right. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead, Lou. Oh, no, it's just to repeat it for everyone. Uh, Storm Dragons, run for cover on the Steam Workshop. You can uh, download it and play along with Lou if you guys like. Lou's going to report on that next episode. All right, we got one more email that came in to us from Roscoe. I'm going to go ahead and read this one. Um, Actually, I'm not. Eve Arwin. Oh, uh, so this comes from Roscoe, and he says, Hey, guys, like many people, I was excited by the graphics of ESO outside of combat, but thought many animations during combat were sloppy. I couldn't really follow combat, so I just kind of watched the choppy animations unfold before me. I felt disappointed in the presentation like many other people. However, I re-watched the video several times just to see if I could glean some extra information from the game. When I started watching the dungeon portion over for the third time, I started looking at what each player was doing as they played. And that's when I realized how revolutionary the game really is. Something that seemed very on point with the message of the developers is that any class could be anything. It seemed to me, it seemed to be, there was a combat rogue Templar, a dagger rogue Dragonite, a healing sorcerer, who was also DPSing, and a tanking Argonian sorcerer. Between the two supposed sorcerers, you could see two different types of teleports being used, as well as using a very different set of DPS skills. Thanks, Roscoe. Well, really quick. Two things. Um, One, beta, 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 beta. And two, there were far more people raving about this than complaining. Just saying. Uh, That being said, yeah, I mean, you know, just just be aware that any kind of in-game whatever that you're going to see, it's in beta and it's going to look, you know, it's going to look choppy. Um, The fact is, is that once, you know, good old Roscoe here was able to get past what he thought was, you know, uh, choppy animations and whatnot... He was actually to see able to see the the brilliance of the game that's that's being thought out right now and being put together, the nuts and bolts of this game, which is anyone can be anything, and they're holding true to that. And I think that's the most important message of this email is now we're at a point where remember a year ago it came out that it's just going to be another World of Warcraft. Obviously, at this point, it's not another World of Warcraft. It's not another standard MMO. This is an Elder Scrolls game and an MMO. Uh, There you go. Any other comments, gentlemen? I'll take that as a no. All right. 
So we're going to go ahead and move on to Lore's Loose Segment. Lore's Loose Segment, really? Lore's Loose Segment! Yeah. Take it away, Lore! <laughs> <laughs> Why Just can't it be much? or P4? No. Nicholas, uh, Star Trek reference. Lou Master uh, on Ice. <laughs> and a Joe Fell. All right. <laughs> this is the Elder Scroll Loring with Lou. Lou, it's all you, man. Thank you very much, Joe. All right. Today, continuing with the magic theme. Taken from a little book. It's called, well, again, with magic. A deadly tool for war. And today, it's an excerpt from The Art of War Magic by Zurin Arctis. With commentary by other learned masters. Mastering the Art of Winning. No, forget the Charlie Sheen reference there, okay? I know you're all thinking that. <laughs> but the one excerpt I chose, Chapter 3, Dispositions. And Master Arctis writes, One of the first things, the moment to prepare your offense is the moment the enemy becomes vulnerable to oh attack. Oh my god. This is a, a knock on the art of war. Yes. That's kind awesome. Of, yeah. yeah, it's it's their own version. You know, someone someone from Bethesda <laughs> took the time to That's write their so own cool. version of the art of war, <laughs> but from ages. So I'm taking this directly from that book. From Leros Chael. Knowledge of the enemies. Enemy mage's mind is of the foremost importance. Once you know his mind, you will know his weaknesses. <laughs> From said Mar, Master Arctis advised Tiber Septim before the Battle of Five Bridges not to commit his reserves until the enemy was victorious. Tiber Septim said, If the enemy is already victorious, what use committing the reserve? To which Master Arctis replied, Only in victory will the enemy be vulnerable to defeat. Tiber Septim went on to rout an enemy twice the size of his. The second point. The enemy's vulnerability may be his strongest point. Your weakness may enable you to strike the decisive blow. And a quote from Miranda Err. In the wars between the Nords and the Chimera, the Nord shamans invariably use the master of the winds to call down storms before battle to confuse and dismay the Chimera warriors. One day, a clever Chimera sorcerer conjured up an ice demon and commanded him to hide in the rocks near the rear of the Chimera army. When the Nords called down the storms as usual, the Chimera warriors began to waver, but the ice demon rose up as the storm struck, and the Chimera turned in fear from what they believed was a Nord demon and charged into the enemy line, less afraid of the storm than of the demon. The Nords, expecting the Chimera to flee as usual, were caught off guard when the Chimera attacked out of the midst of the storm. The Chimera were victorious that day. The third when planning a campaign, take account of both the arcane and the mundane. The skillful battle mage ensures that they are in balance. A weight lifted by one hand is heavier than two weights lifted by both hands. A fourth point. When the arcane and mundane are in balance, the army will move effortlessly, like a swinging door on well-oiled hinges. When they are out of balance, the army will be like a three-legged dog with one leg always dragging in the dust. The fifth point. Thus, when the army strikes a blow, it will be like a thunderclap out of a cloudless sky. The best victories are those unforeseen by the enemy, but obvious to everyone afterwards. The sixth point. The skillful battle mage ensures that the enemy is already defeated before the battle begins. A close-fought battle is to be avoided. The fortunes of war may turn aside the most powerful sorcery 
and courage may undo the best laid plans. Instead, win your victory ahead of time. When the enemy knows he's defeated before the battle begins, you may not need to fight. The seventh point. Victory in battle is only the least kind of victory. Victory without battle is the acme of skill. The eighth point. Conserving your power is another key to victory. Putting forth your strength to win a battle is no demonstration of skill. This is what we call tactics, the least form of the art of war magic. And a quote from Thuludin Dir Tharkun. By tactics, Master Arctis includes all the common battle of magics. These are only the first steps in an understanding of war magic. Any hedge mage can burn up his enemies with fire. Destroying the enemy is the last resort of the skillful battle mage. The ninth point. The battle is only a leaf on the tree. If a leaf falls, does the tree die? But when a branch is lopped off, the tree is weakened. When the trunk is girdled, the tree is doomed. And a tenth point. If you plan your dispositions well, your victories will seem easy and you will win no acclaim. If you plan your dispositions poorly, your victories will seem difficult and your fame will be widespread. A note from Mirando's Zul. Those commonly believed to be the greatest practitioners of war magic are almost always those with the least skill. The true masters are not known to the multitude. And that's from the excerpt from The Art of War Magic. Next week, we're going to continue our investigation into the Mage Guild and all things Magicka. I want to say thank you to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages, the Elder Scrolls Wiki, and the Imperial Library. Remember, folks, all there, all that history, all that lore, all that great stuff to read into the background of all these Elder Scrolls games. Hope you all enjoyed it. And it's time for our final thoughts of the evening, gentlemen. It's that time of the night. And I want to say that um, we're going to apologize in advance. In about two weeks, Ivarwin and I will be in Seattle going to PAX. So yeah! Dave will be at the helm. Of this no. ep- of the next of that episode, and we apologize in advance for what you're going to hear. Dave, you're not mean of our we'll be back. episode ever. It, it's going to be the <laughs> second best episode ever. I'm I'm calling it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, warning, warning, Will Robinson, if I win. Um, final thoughts. So then, I guess I'll have to say. Regarding the live stream, I, I think what, what kills me about this is it looks, combat just looks so amazing. You know, there's everything in an MMO that I want to be in place seems to have been shown in um, in that live stream. You know, I'm glad they've got the LFG system in there. I'm glad combat is as varied as as they keep teasing it to be and I'm really looking forward to what this is going to mean for for PvP so I'm really excited and Lou well I'm glad they actually took the time to do the live stream Um, Bradford and I actually had a chance to watch it while it was unfolding and you know what all those players who are both MMO vets and Elder Scrolls vets who wanted to see actual gameplay because they were on the middle of the you know they were on that fence I think this answered a lot of the questions. Probably raised a whole lot more, but you know what? At least Zoss took the time to say, this is what we've got. Obviously, it's beta phase, and this is what you can do. We've shown you the very basics of what can happen in this game. You know, they're, they're responding to you. People have been clamoring for you know demonstration. Well, here you go. Okay, take from it what you will. 
you know, see what they're doing and, you know, give them, get behind them because, you know, they're doing great work and they've shown it. Yeah, it's not polished, but guess what? What they've shown so far has been pretty damn good. And Dave? Honestly, what, what I want to say in my final thoughts is thank you to Zoss for not only listening to the people doing the beta test, but God, yeah. making improvements based on that in the game, such as the compass. I also want to point out that I've been through a lot of beta tests. I've we've worked even on in other ga- other podcasts. We've talked to other devs. We've dealt with with uh, PR personalities from other uh, manufacturers of, of different games, and the one thing I can say about Zoss is not only are they listening to the people, but they are their people. It sounds so much that they're as invested in the game as they want the players to be, and that really pleases me of of how they're good, having their take on their game. All right, Varwin, how to reach us? All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are at the close of our show, but that doesn't mean that the discussion ends here. Uh, if you want to follow us and get all of the Elder Scrolls goodness that Quest Gaming Network has to offer, go to our website, questgamingnetwork.com, and for this show, elderscrollsofftherecord.com. Why? Who cares? Well, you're going to get all the up-to-the-minute news. More than podcasts, we're a news network. And at questgamingnetwork.com, we're going to give you all the general news for general gaming. And at Elder Scrolls Off the Record, you're going to get all the Elder Scrolls news up to the minute that you're going to want to know about. Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com is our email. If you want to send us an email, that's where you send it to Elder Scrolls Off the Record at gmail.com. YouTube. If you want to guy, if you guys want to find us on YouTube, it is youtube.com forward slash quest gaming network. And that's the only place you're going to find totally heroes, totally live on Mondays, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's QGN's weekly video newscast starring our network's news director, Joe Bradford, and the QGN staff writers, Brian Armstrong, Shank the Tank, and the Solid Gold Dancers. Right. That joke's old now. Yeah. That's totally. <laughs> that's totally heroes totally live mondays at 10 p.m eastern time totally uh twitch our twitch stream grows and grows and we now have shows every single day of the week sunday through saturday we're doing something on twitch our twitch channel is twitch.tv forward slash quest gaming network guys we've got a goal here it's a thousand followers we're at 623 as of this recording if you want to know all of the amazing stuff that we are twitching out that we are live streaming out follow us at twitch.tv forward slash quest gaming network streams every single day stuff you don't want to miss come check it out Uh, if you like our show and you would like to give a shout-out for whatever or whomever you wish to shout-out. $10 is the low, low cost. $10 mentions is a service we offer on our show. Go to elderscrollsofftherecord.com or questgamingnetwork.com and click on the Donate button. Type your brief shout-out right there, and the donation is 
goes to uh, goes to the show and to the staff here, so we can bring you some awesome freaking content. Uh, where to listen? iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Zune. Yeah, believe it or not, we're still on Zune and uh, RSS feed. That's found on our website again, elderscrollsofftherecord.com, questgamingnetwork.com. That's our. You can find our RSS feed there. All you have to do is just grab an app. We recommend Podkicker. We recommend RSS Demon. That's on the Google Play Store. They're free. They're fun. They're easy to use. Plug our feed right into that, and you'll never, ever, ever miss an episode of Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Uh, don't forget our other shows, Rift Off the Record Live, Sundays at 7 p.m. Our first episode was freaking massive. Absolutely massive. We got ourselves into the top 20, top 10 top on 10 iTunes at one that? point. Yeah. We've been yeah. hovering in top 20 for the entire week, but we hit top 10 was our high point. We're, uh, we're actually on new and noteworthy in, uh, in games and hobbies for, for iTunes. So congratulations to us. Uh, seems a bit self-serving when I put it that way, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Oddly enough. Look forward yeah, to episode um, two coming this Sunday, guys, at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's right. Uh, and uh, I put in I put in for Stitcher. So uh, those who are fans of Stitcher Radio will be up on there uh, very, 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 very soon. Twitter, we tweet. And if you tweet, you should follow us. Follow the show at Elder Scrolls OTR. That's Joe right over there. You can follow him at the widget, W-I-G-I-T. I'm Avarwin. You can follow me at Avarwin, E-V-A-R-W-I-N. Lou, raise your hand! Hey! Hey! GamerGuy11B, G-A-M-E-R-G-U-I, 11B. Dave, to my left, is at D-N-Force, D-I-E-N-F-O-R-C-E, at D-N-Force. And Shank couldn't be here because he's doing something. Uh, Shank the Tank. <laughs> <laughs> he's looking at the new pumice stone market down in Seattle. That's right. That's S H A N K T H T A N K. And don't forget, leave off that last D because he didn't put it in when he made his Twitter handle. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, guys. Elseworlds Off the Record is a Quest Gaming Network production in association with Millet Network. And I just want to say, Foos for all you all next week. Take care, everyone. Be safe. May the Foos with you. Good night, everyone. Thank you all for being here. Hope to see you all again next week. Have a great one, y'all. We'll see you next time. Who's all